And what you describe, that's an operating system. That's how to operate as an optimized human being. It's not sales skills. And I think we've over-indexed on sales skills, which again, can be a really downward spiral because it's persuasion tactics or it's this or it's that. Hi friends, welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Brandon Fluhardy. Brandon is the Vice President of Strategic Account Solutions for a Live Person. And also joining us for this conversation is my frequent co-host, Howard Brown, founder and CEO of Revenue.io. And in our conversation, we talk about Brandon's specialty, selling big deals and making big money doing so. Brandon's developing quite a following online among sellers who want to learn how to earn a seven-figure income. So we dive into the key pieces of guidance and advice that he gives to sellers. We're looking to make that step up in performance and that step up in earning. And we dig into how we structure big deals and how to build the right team of support around you as an individual contributor because no one wins deals all on their own. You want to make sure you join us for this discussion because we get into this and much, much more. But before we get to Brandon and Howard, I'd like to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could leave us a review, give us your feedback about how we're doing. Thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Howard, welcome back to the show. Great to be here. Brandon, as always, a pleasure to have you on the show as well. Great to be here. Good to see you, Andy. Good to see you, Howard. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, um, gosh, Brad, what are you working on these days? Yeah, I am honestly working on an early retirement from the corporate world. There we go. That's a story we want to hear. Sales, a, a top salesperson retiring from the corporate world. So tell us about that. Yeah. Uh, so it's been a fabulous journey over the past uh, almost 20 years in sales. Um, not purposefully getting into sales, but happening into sales. Um, like and the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's been a good career. And uh, certainly the past, uh, let's call it four and a half years, has, has been stellar sort of at the pinnacle of my career, selling into Fortune 100 level brands, um, earning seven figures a year consistently. And um, I feel like I'm at a point now where uh, it's not just about the money anymore. It's about giving back to the sales community. Um, I've adopted mentoring uh, really over the past 18 months. And uh, to be honest with you, I've, I've fallen in love with it. And I envision a future that fully embraces where we are in society, Web 3.0. And this this idea of transferring knowledge into digital products and, and being able to, to sort of give back, share that knowledge with others. Um, so I am embarking on that journey as we speak. And so is there sort of like a vision and end, an end state that you sort of envision there? I think, uh, you know, we've talked about this, Andy, um, Howard, I think we've even spoken about this. Um, yeah, I think there's a level of craft, um, and a, an earn, a yearning to bring sales to a level of craft to other professions. And I've, you know, as somebody who was an aspiring professional soccer player, I've always likened it to professional sports. And it always boggled my mind that 
athletes, especially at the top pinnacle level of their career, whether you're top tennis pro, footballer, basketball player, you have a mindset coach. You have someone looking after your nutrition, your conditioning and flexibility. Uh, and, and then, of course, your main coach and helping you with techniques and tactics. Yet in sales, none of that exists, mm-hmm. really. And, you know, I, I would love to see one day where some young person is growing up and says, hey, one day I want to be a professional professional seller. And, uh, and, and we get away from this, this age-old persona of the used car salesman. Nothing against selling used cars, but it has such a negative connotation. And I would love for us to elevate the, the profession to, to something that says, yeah, just like I want to be a doctor, I want to be a scientist, or I want to be a professional basketball player, I'd love to be a professional seller. And I think we're a ways away from that. And if I can contribute to, to that at all through uh, this, this new venture, um, that, that would be a success for me. I would love to jump into that a little bit because I I spend a bunch of time online reading your posts and they're phenomenal. You talk about sleep, you talk about mindset, you talk about energy conservation, which is all critical for whether it's sales or just about anything you do in life to be successful, you have to manage those things. And it sounds like a big part of what you mentor people um, through is those areas of their of their life that they may not have thought of as key to their professional performance, and and it's incredibly powerful. So, folks who haven't followed Brandon um, and aren't subscribed to his newsletter, absolutely a big fan. Go out and do it. Um, but but one thing I also wanted to focus on, Brandon, is. We talk a lot about professional athletes and sort of the preparation and strength training and, and all of that. But at the end of the day, there is the performance component, right? There is, they're on the court or they're on the pitch and they have to perform. And in sales, performance is really about building, maintaining relationships, providing value. I'd love for you to talk about that part of what you've done over your career, because you talk about seven figures and I understand the prep that's involved, but for the folks out there who are trying to also learn what it is to drive value, to be valuable, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. um, You hit on a lot of great topics there, Howard. And I, I think it comes down to a very simple premise and you know, Andy, you and I have talked about this. I think we're in, you know, while you know, violent agreement on this is to to be a human first and a seller second. And I think if you can optimize around being a human, that is a, a good place to start. And you know, naturally, good sales outcomes will will, will come from being a good human, and that's. You know, how do you become a good human? Um, That's uh, uh, a wide range of of things from being ethical to to being able to communicate well, to be able to connect with another human being. 
um, and and to be able to transfer knowledge and consults and 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 provide value. So all of that um, you know comes along, and that's why I focus less on mentoring and and helping other sellers how to sell uh, and instead focus on more optimizing around some of these um, missed elements around being the best human you can possibly be. Um, So that's the starting point is think, how can I be a better human first and, and seller second? And you talked about performance. Um, and performance is definitely, I think, a key thing to constantly think about, constantly evolve, constantly improve. And I, I even, not that the sales world needs another acronym, but I, I developed an acronym that's sort of a guiding force for me. And I call it PREP, um, which stands for plan, rest, effort, and perform. And so perform is a core pillar. And my personal approach and philosophy around performance is if you are going to obsess about something, obsess about the performance and, and, and do it in a, in a very compassionate way. So here's, here's the way I break it down. I think that anything with a start, a middle, and an end, and that could be a single workday, it could be a discovery call, it could be a meeting, it could be a demo, whatever it is, you need to start with discipline. You need to come in prepared. And then during the middle of that interaction, uh, you need to be more flexible. Um, and I, and I, I liken it to being like a creative artist. You want to be flexible where when you're in the middle of something, whether it's the work day and you're getting pinged by your prospects and your coworkers, those things are out of your control. So you need to kind of give to the universe uh, and, and, and be a little more flexible and open to, to what's happening. And the best way to do that is just embrace the moment. Be in the moment. If you are on a call, be in that call. Don't, don't multitask you know, really allow yourself to be in the zone. And then at the end of anything, that's when you want to be curious like a scientist. And so um, I I call it DFC, sort of underpins prep. So being disciplined like an athlete at the beginning, being flexible like an artist in the middle, allowing yourself to be in the zone, being in the moment, and then being curious like a scientist, that allows you to really optimize around prep, specifically the performance, because when you perform, you can, with that curiosity, you can really dig in and say, hey, what could have been better of how I handled that objection or that call or uh, that question? Uh, and, and I can look at it from not a level of emotion, but I can look at it from a, a level of objectivity, which is you know, powered through curiosity, just like a scientist would tinker in their lab and experiment. That allows you to be better tomorrow when you uh, experience uh, the, the, you know, the, the engagement um, maybe with somebody else or you tackle a, a new work day. You can go about it 
with a fresh set of eyes. And it starts all over again. You can be disciplined at the beginning, flexible in the middle, and curious at the end. It becomes this flywheel. So how did you happen across this? Was this something you sort of just recently said, okay, I'm gonna look back and sort of try to, uh, you know, encapsulate everything I'm doing and, and characterize it a certain way? Or is there a sort of a aha moment earlier in your career when it's like, oh, so this is why this is happening? Yeah, uh, I would say it's, it's an evolution of my almost 20 year career in sales. And it, it, it does go back to the, the foundational roots of trying to be an aspiring professional soccer player in Europe. Fortunately, ran into some injury issues. But, you know, when your days are structured, um, you have a consistent routine of when you go to bed, and when you wake up and when you have your meals and how much you eat in those meals. And when you show up for training, when you show up for games and the mental preparation you need to do in a warm up, um, the physical preparation that, that goes into that, all that is sort of inherent to become better each and every day, to become better in each and every game, every week. You want to perform better than, than you did last week. And, and so I brought that naturally into my career in sales, but it wasn't necessarily reinforced because like we talked about earlier, you don't have the mindset coach. You don't have all these various coaches to sort of help in all the various elements uh, that, that really go into sales. We, we, we focus particularly on the technique and the tactics of selling, but we don't get into the the broader, the softer skills and, and the other elements that make you as a human being. And so I would say the aha moment really was when the pandemic hit because life changed. It changed for everyone, but it especially changed for me as a strategic seller, not being on a plane every week or every other week and jumping time zones and hopping on a plane to go across the country for a one hour meeting. It took me back to, to that time as a, a soccer player where I had a consistent schedule and I could look at things like, well, what would happen if I really focus on my sleep? What would happen if I tweak my diet in this way? What would happen if I manage my energy? Uh, what would happen if at, at the end of my day, I looked back on it and scored myself, gamified the process? And so I started doing that. I just started tracking. I just started observing. And soon enough, these things just started to occur to me. Hey, I'm living my life with discipline at the beginning, flexibility in the middle, and curiosity at the end. And it's allowing me to plan my days the, the night before. It's allowing me to rest easy because I'm not stressed out about things. I'm able to put forth my best efforts because I've done those first two mm -hmm. things. And I'm able to, to ultimately perform and measure my performance in an interesting way. And, um, and I've been living my, you know, sort of my life ever since. And the cool thing is the proof is in the pudding. It took me two years operating the old way to uh, close 11 million in annual recurring revenue. And in just 10 months, I was able to sell 14.1 million in annual recurring revenue operating in this, this new way. Amazing. Yeah, really really Amazing. underperformed those first two years. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to ask about that because I think for <laughs> most people, hitting 11 million bucks in two years would be 
I don't want to say enough, but it would certainly be incredible, right? So obviously, before you started focusing on your sleep, your fl flexibility, your prep, um, what was it? There, there, there's, there's other things there. Clearly, your training as an athlete, your routines, yes, 100%. But 11 million bucks over two years, I, that's not too shabby. So how did you get there? If I'm, a, if I'm a younger salesperson, if I'm a sales leader and I want to focus and I want to know where to start to get there, where do I go? What do I think about? Yeah, uh, I think there are a lot of things. Again, it kind of goes back to, you know, number one rule that I always adopted and it, it sort of was natural for me, which is to stop selling. Like, don't just don't be a sales salesy person when you're coming in and talking to them. They're, they're going to sniff that out. Uh, your, your, your prospective buyers, they're going to sniff that out. And so I always wanted to deliver value. There, there needed to be a reason that I was contacting you, whether that was a first time uh, outreach or it was uh, following up, there needed to be some sort of reason for me to contact you. And um, so that that's one, it's just you know, be a good human who can connect well, deliver value, have value that you're delivering, good insights and Thinking big, um, that was never a challenge for me. I think it's a challenge for a lot of sellers and I think it holds them back. Um, you know, getting to the 11 million, um, so there's the selling piece of it and then there's the operating piece. I was operating, I would, what I call, and you know, if you know from my content, I'm anti-hustle. I hustled to get there and it, it made it, it, would, it had an impact on my health. Um, and so then I shifted to, okay, well, I've got the sales skills, which is being a human, connecting well, uh, uh, selling value, um, thinking big, helping them to not just think about a solution, but think about a transformation. So those things I was good at selling. And then I was able to combine that with operating. And that was the powerful combination when I prioritized my health and then with good selling, that's when I was able to explode my results in a much faster time. So, yeah, I think obviously one of the key, key things there is you said you stopped selling, right? And when you do that, yeah, I believe you start operating with a level of intentionality that is really what, what separates, right? I mean, I agree with you 100% and obviously you're familiar with my content and so on. But it's like, yeah, if you're going to contact a buyer – What's the reason? What's going to be, how are you going to help them move closer to making a decision with that interaction? And if you don't know the answer to that question, why are you wasting their time and yours? That's right. Yeah. I think that's a key word in intention, intentionality. It's like, what are your intentions here? Is it to, because I'm under pressure, I've got to meet my quota, my manager's breathing down my neck, I've got you know, mortgage due, I, you know, we've got all these pressures again in the mm -hmm. human world. And again, I think this is why sales leaders might be missing an opportunity to, to be thinking about those things because that, you know, puts real uh, pressure on things like mental health, something that's still a bit too obscure and, 
and, and, and not embraced in not only the corporate world, but, but the sales world. But actually, if you could provide some tools and support in, 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 in just that realm, and, and then you can get at the heart of, well, how do you help a seller become more intentional where they can do it for the right reasons, giving value. Um, and I think a lot of that just comes from, you know, the pressures that we're, we're under. And it's not just as a seller, but it's, it's the sales leadership who, you know, is under a lot of pressure as well. Um, you know, and especially if you become a, a public company, then the, the pressure piles on even further to, to have to, you know, talk to the street every quarter um, and deliver good news. So um, I, I think to, to become intentional, you've got to release the pressure in, in, in these other elements. And, and that's a surface that actually most sales teams are, are just, they, they, they're just scratching it, if, if, if at all. A lot of really, really interesting points you made there. I think that you touched on a couple that I just want to come back to. When we started the conversation, you talked about kids or, or folks aspiring to be salespeople, right? And then a few minutes into the conversation, your advice is don't be too salesy, right? And words really matter. Right. Words matter. And the words we tell others about who we are and what we do, it matters. And there are these negative stereotypes that go with selling, that go with sales or being salesy. And yet when you talk about mental health, right, mental health has a lot to do with the stress we're in, the narrative that we tell ourselves. So if I don't feel good about what I'm doing, which is being a salesman because I'm being too salesy, that, that's a problem with our language and something that we have to think about as well. Um, because at, this, at the beginning, we're aspiring to be salespeople, but we don't want to be too salesy. So where do we go with this? How do we change the narrative? How do we help people who are being that valuable, um, you know, delivering insights, helping people make purchasing decisions, being intentional about our work. How do we wrap that up? How do we change that narrative? Well, it's a big ask, right? One, you have to reframe what the job is. You know, if sellers What's go out every job? day, but if sellers go out every day and think, yeah, my job is to go out and persuade a buyer to buy my product. That's the wrong mind frame to go with. My job is to go out and find out what's the most important thing to that buyer that they want to achieve and how do I help them do that? Now, if I start my day as a seller with that mindset, it's a completely different way of approaching it than if I think my job is I have to go out and persuade this person to buy my product. And so we have to reframe what the job is. And we have to reframe our, our approach to that. And, and what's been pervasive, I think, especially in SaaS sales, um, you know, many of the startup cultures that I've been part of, which is hustle around the clock. You got to hustle and grind. How do you solve for filling the gap in your your quota? Um, how do you meet? You know, at, by the end of the month, you grab a Red Bull and you just buckle down and you get it done. You just work more. And, and, and I think those two things we need to 
redefine what it means to be salesy and what it means to be a professional seller. And I think there are great minds here who are committed to doing that. And and then the way we operate and we the way we work, because you're right, Howard, words matter, but actions are are I think are even more important. And yeah, you, you we we see things told to us from sales leaders all the time, but then the subliminal message is, all right, it's end of month, it's end of quarter. It's time to buckle down and grind. I, I don't care about what's happening in your personal life. I don't care about anything going on. You know, well, I don't. I don't care that you told the buyer we're really here to right, help you. Right. But oh, last week of the month. Right. Yeah. Let's yeah. Let's discount. What can we, what can we do? Or, to, what can we do to get you in this car this month? Right. Or what can we do to get you into our product this month? Right. Interesting, because I think a lot of what we talk about is you're talking about hustle or hours worked or time spent qualification of opportunities is so important because if you're hustling and you're hustling for something that isn't a good fit for your company your product or your service not only are you wasting your time you're wasting your buyer's time right so i think if we do you know, it's that preparation, right? I'm prepping to make sure that this opportunity is a real opportunity for them to gain value by my product or service. I'm focused on the right customers and the right prospects that can gain from what I have to offer. I think if we spend more time on the art of sales qualification, then we'll spend less time wasting and hustling and trying to be salesy and more time driving value because we're speaking to people who are interested in the value that we have. Right. But then we have the whole set of implicit, if not explicit, imperatives that are laid on managers about pipeline coverage ratios and so on. And you know, if you have a 5x pipeline coverage requirement on your sellers, your win rates could be the reciprocal of that. <laughs> well, yeah, it's 20%, right? But what if right. we so, have a 50% or a 60% win rate because we're only filling our pipeline well, with exactly. great opportunities? It's, well, exactly. But you know, getting buy into that is seemingly virtually impossible in the SaaS world. Here's here's what I can tell you as, as somebody who earned seven figures a year in SaaS sales over the past few years, um, the best thing that I did and one of the best managers I worked with, um, you know, hitting that, that mark for the first time in 2019, we were very intentional. Again, going back to, I think, a very important word, words matter, intentionality. We were intentional about taking things off of my plate. I was going, I, 2018 was all about me saying yes to everything. And it's a common mentality for salespeople. If, if you're climbing the ranks and you're making a name for yourself, you want to hold on to every single opportunity. And the best thing I did was we worked on saying no more. We were very intentional about say, focusing on the right things. And the best thing that I did was found I found meaning in the target accounts and the target opportunities I wanted to pursue. That allowed me to align things that were important to me from a personality standpoint, from a skill standpoint, uh, from a motivation standpoint. When I, when I was able to do that, 
I was able to show up in day one when the qualification process occurred, I was able to jive much better with that account. And I was okay of releasing of, oh, this big retailer or this, this major healthcare company. I, I, you know what? I, I might not have the best expertise in that. So you know what? Even as tantalizing as it is on paper, if I give that to somebody else who has retail expertise um, or a desire uh, to, to talk to that vertical, that's better qualification. That's going to be a win for the company. It's going to be a win for the customer. And it's going to be a win for, the, for that rep. Um, See, and I think for me, this is th there's a lot of goodness right here. Andy, I know that you're concerned about the, the pipeline and forecast around that and that that's impossible to change. But I think what's impossible is expecting people to create pipeline and be okay with horrific close percentages because at the end of the day, that quarter is not based on your pipeline. That quarter is based on revenue that you've booked, on sales that have happened. I think it's an easier sell in an organization to say, you know what? We're going to rejigger because we really want to scale. And the way we can scale Brandon is not wasting Brandon's time or buyer's time with things that he may... It may be a great fit for another salesperson within the organization because they have more expertise around that specific vertical. Or, or not I in the organization at all. Three thousand percent. There is something really important here about the qualification and building pipeline that can close. And I feel like that's an easier sell to a revenue organization than just just more, 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 more. I really do. Because if we can prove it out with the results that if you qualify better, that if your reps and your sales managers are spending time on opportunities that can close, that to me is something we can achieve. And that's something that I think over a 6, 12, 18 month period, we can educate the market. We can educate teams on how to get there. Well, but why is it such a hard sell to your peers, Howard? Why is well, I, I, I think it's, I think it's not in the. I think that we haven't been looking at that piece of the data, right? We've been looking at all the benchmarks. You need five x coverage. You need four x coverage. Well, really, let's look at. Let's take a pilot. To, let's take a separate team and let's measure it differently. Yeah, I mean, let's look at the people that are achieving high levels, and I guarantee, like Brandon and anybody else that's like him, and I can only speak to my own experience in my own career, yeah, I wasn't carrying 5X. I was carrying yeah. 1.3 to 1.5X. Well, look at what we're doing with SDRs, right? We're saying just book meetings, book, book, book. And guess right. what? So they're booking meetings because that's how they're getting comped. And then their AEs are dealing with opportunities or, or sales accepted leads or marketing qualified leads that aren't going anywhere. So we're exactly. wasting everybody's time based on the comp structure we have. Yeah, well, I agree a thousand percent. That's, this is, I think, is a critical problem, especially in SaaS. Is, is, yeah. And it's you know, not just in SaaS, it exists everywhere. It's all over the place. I was dealing with a manufacturer recently, mm -hmm. huge manufacturer. They got the same problem. It's just like create more, 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 and our close percentages are awful. And we think it's the sales reps' fault. Yeah, well, sure. I mean, it's easy to shame the sales reps. And that's the big disconnect is, is a, whether you're an SDR or a strategic seller. The, the usual mantra is more, more, more. And you just solve it with more effort, more work, uh, more phone calls, more 
anything. And, and that's not the solve. You have to peel back. And you're right, Howard. The best way to do it is measure these alternative approaches. And what you'll, you'll find is with like an alternative approach by dissecting my average contract value, why is it higher? Why is my closing ratio 78%? Why can't that be replicated? It can't be replicated. There is no special sauce. I do not have a college degree. I was bankrupt in 2008. There is nothing special that I was educated on um, that allows me to be any different than somebody who 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 can be a good human. You know, it's just it's like if you're 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 optimized to be curious and you are interested, you're motivated, that's what we should be optimizing around is how do you match those those um, unique qualities of that person? What motivates them? How do you have good conversations between one human and another human? How do you transfer expertise and knowledge that, that particular person has? It's not just more meetings, it's better conversations. Yes. That will lead yes. to better results. And, and what you have that's so special is that curiosity, right, that you talked about. You go back and look at what's working, what's not working. You're looking in the mirror. You're analyzing what you're doing. So if you take that, those closed deals and you work backwards and you look at the conversations and the relationships and the effort and you look at the number of deals you were working on and how you like all of that. It, the whole point is let's analyze it all. Let's test and measure the effectiveness of everything we do. And that's what I get excited about in the technology space. If it's not about more, 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 but it's about analyzing and mining what it is that's working and what's not, that's where we're able to help people. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and what you described, that's an operating system. That's how to operate as, as, as an optimized human being. It's not sales skills. And I think we've over-indexed on sales skills, which again, can be uh, uh, it's a really uh, you know, downward spiral because yeah. you're, you're learning from somebody who was- Sales you know, spiral. Yeah, it's, it's persuasion tactics or it's this or yeah. it's that. A, cust a customer will never ask you to be more salesy. Yeah. yeah. So, well, let's go, back, let's go back to the beginning though. So, so this idea about because I'd had a conversation with somebody just this week about this, and this is something that I, I believe we miss in the way we bring people into sales, new people into sales, and onboard them into the profession, not just into the specific job, is this idea that before we train people how to be sellers, don't we have to train them and educate them about how to be human first? And we make this assumption that some of these skills and these just basic you know, ability to connect skills and life skills and attention to some of the details you pay attention to, Brandon, that they're aware of these things and they're not. And you know, like professional soccer teams is they'll spend the first few months teaching somebody how to cook, how to, how to manage their bank account, how to take care of the things in their lives that, that they need to do as a human. And then start integrating them into the, the team and teaching them about soccer and football. Yeah. I call it football just so people aren't confused. So don't we need to do something similar? I mean, I was talking this, this conversation with this guy. I was talking about in his company. What they do is, yeah, they have a course. They teach new sellers how to manage their finances, right? Because they've never had a paycheck before. 
It's just simple things like that that we assume people know. Right. And it's no fault of theirs. They don't. Exactly. And that's where the pressures are going are coming from. That's where the 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 mental health issues are coming from. Is right. if you can have those basic skills, I think fiscal responsibility is a perfect one, right? Because right. our whole lives in sales revolves around money. I was just talking to KD Kevin Dorsey on his podcast around this very uh, thing, um, and and he had a, a, a tremendous quote. We love talking about money, but we hate talking about money. It goes into this black box, which is, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's where the pressure comes from. It's like, yeah, ah, I've got a human. Absolutely. And then that's going to lead to bad sales results. That's going to be leading to going back to the bad habits at the end of the month, the end of the quarter. I'm just going to go and do things like discounting or I'm going to go and do whatever it takes to get the deal done. That could be unethical things. I'm going to be up all night working till 4 a.m. practicing, getting the pitch ready or the proposal ready or sending out more emails, getting my outreach campaign going, all these things. And then when I'm in front of a customer and I'm sleep deprived, I'm not going to perform well. And it's this bad, you know, this vicious cycle. Well, I think it's, it could be even just take it on a more personal level though, is, is if somebody is mismanaging their finances, they're just missing some basic information. That's a cause of stress. To your point, it's not just about not necessarily hitting their numbers, but you know, it's a distraction. It's a, it's a cause of stress, and it's going to cause people to act differently, uh, as as you talked about. I mean, it's an issue, Howard. You and I have talked about a little bit in the past because you know you're a mental health professional by training. Is and I've posed this question <laughs> before, somewhat apocryphal question, but it's like, all right, yeah, I love the show Billions. Because, you know, one of the key members of the staff is a psychiatrist, a mental health professional on the staff of high-performing sales individuals, traders, high-performing sales individuals. And it's like, how big does the sales team have to be to have somebody like that available? How, what's so, how great of a resource would that be for sellers in these high-stress environments to have somebody they could talk to? And it wouldn't it be in the company's interest to, to pay an extra, you know, hundred grand a year to have something available or whatever it is, uh, 200 grand to, to have something like that available. Yeah. We need a Wendy Rhodes. I went out and purchased, you know, access to Wendy Rhodes on, on my own. I shouldn't yeah. have to do that. You know, that, that should be something that we're all considering as, as sales or as organizations and sales leaders, those, those should be provided to us. Yeah, I mean, it's part of this idea of specialized coaching, which I'm a huge advocate of, right, is is why not have a mental health coach? Why not have a you know, health and nutrition coach? And you, what's the trade-off, right? What's the payback? And I'm sure we could calculate what the payback would be. And I, I imagine it's just pretty minuscule to have something like that in terms of the, what you'd get in uplift and performance. And technology. And technology can supplement that in, in sure. you know, you know, with, with what you're building, Howard, and, and other, you know, AI on our wrists or, or our fingers with Aura Ring or Whoop. I mean, it's like having a coach on my wrist helping me to guide me on when to go to bed, when to wake up, how much sleep I'm getting. Looking at those metrics, those were leading, better leading indicators for me, again, under operating under this, this new way. Um, I started looking at things like that managing my sleep debt, managing my energy, I started looking at that more than my activity metrics, the, the traditional hustle metrics. 
that uh, was a better indicator for how I was going to perform in front of a C-level executive. Um, and, and so I started optimizing around those things. So it can be a combination of specialized coaches mixed with the right type of technology. That's a winning combination in 2021 and beyond. Yeah, you got me, you got me hooked on the Aura ring. Yeah, and I've been on the Aura for two years now. I, I can't begin to tell you how important this conversation is because everybody is so focused on taking AI and automating everything, automating the human being out of the equation. The things you're talking about is really augmenting us as human beings. And, you know, at, at revenue.io, our, our mission is to unlock human potential with science. It's not about selling more. It's about unlocking our potential. And we can do that through all of the things that you're talking about today. It's focusing on where to optimize, where to put our time, where we need more education and focus, and where we should not waste our energy and time. Yeah, no, I think it's... <laughs> It feels to me, and just from my perspective, you know, talking to hundreds upon hundreds of people all the time about sort of trends and what's happening in our profession, that it seems like we're coming up to sort of an inflection point here where, because more, it's not just me and Brandon and you, Howard, talking about, you know, the need to make, prioritize humanity within sales. As I've seen other, just in the last week, new books coming out that are talking, be talking about it seems like there's some momentum to it. Uh, I hope so. I feel it. Yeah. yeah but I mean, it's, it's funny why I also last week was talking to CRO, a fairly good, size, good sized company. I was talking about, yeah, but, but, you know, implementing some of these things is like trying to fix the wings on an airplane while it's in flight because, you know, we've got the expectations of our investors and our board and, you know, how do we really affect a reset? Because if we're just going to make it, you know, incrementally evolutionary, then we may never get there. I read something recently. It was, it was on Twitter. I'm, I'm fascinated with what's happening with the, younger, the youngest generation who's coming into the workforce in Gen Z. And, and they grew up with only being online. And, you know, where we are with Web 3.0, it's democratizing everything from crypto and, and, and how it's democratizing currency and shifting the power from the old way, which is if I was in control of capital or if I was in control of labor, I ruled the world. Now it's, I can, there's no better time to honestly be an entrepreneur. And that's the way these, these young professionals are entering the world. It's like, why do I need to be at a nine to five? Like, why do I, if I can get my job done by noon and I'm doing, delivering everything that you're asking for, yet you need my butt in the seat until five or seven o'clock because we all have to be around, um, it, you know, it's, it's shifting. And mm -hmm. I, I think even the youngest managers are being caught off guard by that. So we're, we're going to be forced into a new way of operating, whether we like it or not, because the Gen Z uh, is going to lead the way is, is I should be able to work in the best way that takes my skill set and my ability to perform my job in the way I want to do it, where I want to do it. And that's going to have to be the norm. Otherwise, 
you know, you're going to be a very stale company or you're going to be a, an obsolete company in 5, 10, 15 years uh, if you're not yeah. operating this way. Yeah, there's an article in the New York Times this week, the week we're recording this, about that, about the conflict between Gen Zs and millennials and Gen Zs and millennial managers. And yes. just to that point is like, yeah, I want to find a way to operate that's in alignment with who I am as a human. And I'm going to prioritize that. And um, yeah, sort of screw you if you don't want me to do it. Yeah, imagine aligning to your values. Shocking, right? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? <laughs> All right, guys, we sort of come to the end of our time. This was a fantastic discussion. Thank you for joining me. Um, Brandon, if, if you want to direct people to any particular place to learn about your new venture? or Yeah, absolutely. Um, people can learn more about the new venture at BeFocusedLiveGreat.com. And, of course, uh, I am very active as a content creator on LinkedIn. So um, find me on and connect with me on LinkedIn. Perfect. And Howard? You can absolutely find me on LinkedIn. And also, uh, if you want to see what we're doing, head over to revenue.io and uh, look forward to uh, talking to you all soon. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Brandon. Thank you. This is great. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. As always, I'm so grateful for your support of this show. And I want to thank my guest, Brandon Fluhardy, for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can do all that on your phone in just a minute as soon as this episode is over. So thank you for your help. And thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. <laughs>